0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Balanced Nurse Podcast. In today's episode, I have Dr. Andrea Almaguer-Potero, who is a licensed professional counselor and a licensed chemical dependency counselor. She has her master's degree in counseling psychology with a bilingual counselor certification. She's also earned her PhD in rehabilitation counseling as well. Now, Dr. Andrea Almaguer teaches undergrad and grad courses as well, And focuses her research in mental health, mindfulness, trauma, and women wellness. I am so excited to have her on the podcast. She's also from my hometown, Laredo, Texas, which is amazing. She is really a force to be reckoned with. She has worked as a professional counselor in different types of settings, such as immigration and refugee centers, substance abuse clinics, schools, and even hospitals, providing trauma and crisis counseling to these different vulnerable populations. I really hope you enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. Hey friend, welcome to the Balanced Nurse Podcast. Are you wanting more time on your days off to create healthier habits and actually work on your goals? Then this podcast is for you. I'm Ashley and I used to be a burnt out nurse just like you. I know what it's like to feel exhausted and frustrated on your days off. I wanted to work out more, eat healthier, and enjoy time with friends and family, but I kept telling myself that that run could wait till tomorrow. I was just too tired to fit in a workout into my busy schedule. Entering my 30s, I realized I had neglected my own health and personal growth. It was a wake-up call that inspired me to take control of my life. That's when I learned two key things. The incredible peace that time management brings and the beauty of real work-life harmony. And I want you, friend, to have this too. I'll share with you my tips and tricks on how to manage your time, create healthier habits, and be more productive on your days off so that you can achieve your biggest health and business goals. So let's pop in those earbuds, get that nurse bun up, and let's dig in. All right, friend, before we get started, I want to remind you about my weekly newsletter, which is like a little love note from yours truly every week straight into your inbox. Now. If you're struggling with managing your time, especially on your days off or being productive, maybe you're having a really hard time with creating healthier habits and routines and you don't really know where to start, then this is a perfect supplement to listening to the podcast every week. I send you quick tips on how to manage your time, how to create these healthy habits and routines, and also how to take a holistic approach to your life, to your health and wellness. So go ahead, the link is in the show notes or you can also type in bit.ly backslash Balanced Nurse Newsletter. Again, that is bit.ly backslash Balanced Nurse Newsletter. Andrea, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited for our conversation. Yes, thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so go ahead and let's get right into it with you introducing yourself. Like what your journey has been and has how it's led you to where you are today and a little bit about your
1: background. Sure. So, um I grew up in um a border town, Laredo. And so, um I started off my uh bachelor's there in psychology then I moved into my master's in um, counseling, which, you know, you know, didn't really think I was going to start doing my master's either, right, just kind of going to school, figuring things out, get into my master's, things go, you know, really good, Um, graduate, then get my, um, all my licenses, my LPC, my LCDC, which is chemical dependency counselor, Um, and so after that, um, I was kind of traveling a little bit. And then, um, I went into my PhD. So in all this time I've been working with, you know, just kind of like very vulnerable populations at this time. Um, a lot of like immigration, um, immigrants, um, I was working with parents, families, uh, children, um, and substance use. And so by the time I get to my PhD, um, I'm still working with like at high risk uh, population at this time i am doing my phd in uh, mcallen and so um also border borders border town right and mm-hmm. so kind of s- still seeing same populations um but working more with the at risk at this time i'm working at a um, immigration shelter so definitely like being exposed to a lot of like trauma and um a lot of um you know anxiety depression and so um, at at this point, you know, once I graduate, I'm doing all my research and mindfulness and uh, which is a whole nother, you know, kind of like um, therapy and interest of mine. Um, but, you know, getting a lot of experience of the trauma part throughout my, my career. Um, at that time, I go into a NICU, a hospital setting and uh, very different, you know, nothing that is out there um, very needed, needed, um, services in that area. And there isn't a lot of that. So I was doing a lot of the postpartum depression, you know, bereavement. So I was dealing a lot with, you know, moms who are pregnant and are dealing with, you know, miscarriages or, you know, babies that, um, are high risk. And so, um, that's kind of what I focused on right now. I'm in San Antonio. I'm running my private practice grounded space. And so I'm seeing patients here, you know, specialized still in postpartum, anxiety, depression. And
0: yeah. That's such a beautiful journey. And can you talk a little more about the trauma aspect, especially with your experience in these different centers with different individuals that come from different backgrounds and all have experienced some form of trauma in their lives? Yeah. From your experience, and even currently still working with clients today, how does trauma manifest in our lives?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, some of the um, populations that I worked with, I would, we would describe them as like big traumas in our field, right? So big traumas, obviously, you know, losing someone or the, you know, for the immigration population, like Coming all the way over here, and what they live through while they're traveling, right? Uh, sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, and all kinds of type of, you know, of abuse and, and trauma. Um, however, what what I you know what I've seen with over over time is that there's everyone has some kind of trauma, right? We all have traumas, right? They're, they don't necessarily have to be like this big trauma right? Um, what we consider big trauma. So what, what I've found very neat, and I share with my patients is that, you know, trauma is very unique to the individual, right? I think many years ago, we thought like trauma was very, very, you know, focused on like soldiers and, you know, because they were putting their life, right, right at risk. And what we've learned with time and a lot of technology and, you know, you uh, research in our brain is that, you know, trauma, you know, a simple thing can be traumatic to someone, right? You and me can live the same event, and it might not be traumatic to you, and it it will to me, right? So what we're seeing is that it's not so much the event, but it's the perspective of the individual, right? So this is a beautiful thing, because then we start like validating people's life experiences more, right? We give them more compassion. You know, I often get, I often get in, in you know in session, you know, have you had a traumatic experience? And I often get like, well, you know, I didn't go to war or I didn't, you know, I wasn't abused. And and it doesn't mean that, right? A trauma shows in our lives in different ways and it's very different. Um and so I think once we start accepting that we have, you know, some traumas, right, that are, or struggles that we've um, dealt with, then we allow ourselves to go into that healing journey, right? And recognize what are those areas personally that I need to work in. Right.
0: And that actually makes me think about something as far as like, and I don't know, this is something that you've seen. Did you say you worked with children as well? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. I want, did you ever work with children from the same family or same upbringing, but experiencing different, what's the word maybe different perspective or different traumas from that from maybe even a single event
1: yeah so what um what I would you know what I did have the experience was in the immigration shelters we would have like uh brothers and sisters that were traveling together you know maybe without their parents but they it's like four or five kiddos coming together and they lived the same thing the same thing but some were more resilient than others right or some their perspective was different. Also, the developmental stage that we're in when we're living the trauma matters a lot, right? But also our resiliency, our coping skills, we're not all built um the same. We don't learn the same coping skills, right? And so that that has a big um impact.
0: How do we know though that we are is are there any like physical signs or symptoms that can make someone think? oh, maybe this could be from the trauma that I've had in my life.
1: Yeah. So, you know, trauma is, is, um, is tricky. (laughs) Our body and our mind is always trying to protect us. Right. So we have like defense mechanisms. And so, you know, when there's trauma, when we're living through trauma, there's all these chemicals that are being produced. There's a lot of things happening in our brain. Um, and you, you know, it's very common when we're dealing with trauma that our mind starts like repressing that, right? It's a way of protection, right? And so it starts repressing memory, right? And there's research that shows that the, like the area in our brain that, you know, takes care of memory is, you know, it's not activated. It's repressed when we're dealing with trauma. That's why people sometimes don't remember a lot of events in the, in, um, in the trauma, right? They don't remember a lot of details in a traumatic event because their memory was not added to 100, right? And so, um, you know, going back to your questions of the symptoms, right? Sometimes we might have some like traumatic events and things that we're holding on to, but might not, we think, we think, right? That they might not be very present in our life. Well, yeah, I happened a long time ago. I don't even think about it. And yeah, maybe you're not displaying any symptoms, right? Um, But, but, but they're there. We carry these things that we don't process them healthy or heal them. We do carry them, you know, and they reflect in the way we manage our relationships, right? The way we cope with stress, how we're being triggered. Right. I mean, it just depends what the trauma was. Right. Um, then, you know, if we were exposed to a couple of traumas, right. Um, then, we sometimes even can even have like what we call complex trauma right and then that's manifesting in different ways so sometimes what what i'm trying to get here is that you know sometimes pt you know ptsd or any you know trauma can uh be seen like you can see the symptoms right so you know flashbacks and like your heart starts you know going fast you know there's all these intrusive thoughts um you know the anxiety type of symptoms right you can't sleep um you know dreams you know the sweating there's so many symptoms that you can show but what what you know what I what I see is that we're super good at trying to like hold it hold hold on right so sometimes they're not as evident as we think right? Mm -hmm. Or we sometimes ignore them. (laughs) We ignore those symptoms, right? Oh, I'm fine, you know, and kind of, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
0: So how can we begin to recognize, identify those, those patterns, or maybe unhealthy ways of coping with, with that trauma? How can we learn to identify that and manage that?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I, um, I, you know, when I see people come into, to, to counseling, right. Someone who's actively reaching out for help, right. Self-care, you know, trying to, whether there's a lot of symptoms or not, they're just trying to get better, right. They're actively reaching out. Um, you know, we need to, sometimes they come in with like, super fit, what I call superficial problems, right. You know, I'm, I'm fighting a lot with my partner and, you know, this and this and, and what we start realizing as the session is going on is that it has nothing to do with this, right? Right. It's really something very, you know, from childhood or other relationships, not feeling safe, right? Or feeling a failure. And this happened long time ago, right? And so then all these cognitive distortions that they created through time are showing up in what I call like superficial issues right like I don't have a lot of friends or like I seem to have like problematic relationships right well it's not this I mean this is something that we're gonna hopefully eventually solve but it's more of like the deeper stuff right what is it that is creating these these cycles and and behaviors and patterns that we want to be aware the thing is that sometimes we're not aware right like we see things happening like oh man this always happens to me you know and but you're not thinking well what am i what am i doing right um and not that it's our fault right or that but sometimes we don't realize that we are contributing to those unhealthy cycles and patterns that we don't even recognize now one thing that you know i love bringing out to my patients is that they shouldn't, like, they should know this, right? This is information that I feel everyone should have, right? It's about our body and our mind and how it works. Unfortunately, no one has it, right? I mean, unless you study this, right? Unless you study psychology and took classes on this, it's not like we, you know, they sit down with us when we're younger, our parents, and say, like, we're going to take an emotion class and we're going to take a coping skill class. It's really just what we, like, what we see, Sometimes what we see from our parents, right, and we, like, model those behaviors, um, sometimes not very healthy either, right? Um, And not because, again, they had, like, bad intentions or anything like that, but they're also carrying their own, like, generational traumas, right? And so we pick up on those things and just kind of model those things. So we cope how we saw, you know, what what we learned to do with our life experience might not be the best coping skill but that's what we know right and so when we give ourselves some time in the counseling then that's when we open the doors to like um, explore what we want to change or what we might want to keep and we've been doing right so it's funny that you mentioned
0: that because it's something that I actually reflected on this morning when I was journaling I you know, and I'm sure a lot of girls can resonate with this a little bit, but it's like, why do I keep dating these same guys, right? Who are just not nice, who don't treat me well. Why do I keep doing that? I mean, this is something I know, like I'm just sharing out of my heart and, but it kind of, I was reading something. I can't remember where I read it this morning, but I realized I need to look at my patterns. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I in these different patterns that when it comes to relationships and how does that, how is that connected to my childhood and maybe what I saw growing up possibly, or what my parents believed, whatever that is. So I thought that was really interesting. And you mentioned cognitive distortion. Can you explain a yeah. little more about what
1: that is? Yeah. So it's a fancy word for negative thoughts. <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, yeah. But um, so, you know, when when we're having negative thoughts, right? Um, it's 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 amazing how our brain works. And let me, I want to talk a little bit about this because I feel every time I explain this, like it makes a lot of sense to to people. But you know, everything that we learn is a connection between neurons, right? So we learn that the sky is blue, and we've made that connection between two neurons, right? So obviously, growing up, we make you know a billion connections, right? Um, however we also make connections for bad things right so you know like you were mentioning right I'm in a relationship and this person hurt me so therefore if I'm in a relationship I'm gonna get hurt right and so that's those are like uh, cognitive distortions that we create right negative thoughts now um, the beautiful thing about um, cognitive distortions right or negative type of thinking is that there's this thing called neuroplasticity and we have the ability to change and mold our brain, right? But it takes a lot of work, right? It's not very easy to just like, oh yeah, I'm going to just think very positive. We really need to be very detailed and identify what those negative thoughts that we have are, right? So, um, you know, it could be simple as like, you know, oh my, you know, I messed up on this test and I, I'm so dumb, right? I never get this right. But if you really think about it, like how many times could we, you know, if we're in school, right, If we're like a college student, how many times is that thought going, you know, crossing, right? Is that neurons making that connection? So, you know, it could be hundreds of times that it's been doing that, right? And so, you know, you learn during, you know, in counseling or just uh, once you identify the cognitive distortions, how do we change them around, right? I'm not, I you know, I'm not done, right? I, I you know, made one mistake. It's okay. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to do fine. You know, I have other things that have shown that I'm a very smart person, right? And so using your positive thinking, right, to go ahead and remove that connection, like not let that passage keep going, And so eventually what neuroplasticity is that eventually with time, that connection kind of fades away. And we, we have, if we work really hard, right, we can build that positive one and our brain will take the other route instead. But the, the, the beautiful thing is that we're not set to those negative thoughts. Like they are, we could change them, right? I mean, it's not easy because we're used to it, but it's, it's definitely possible
0: that is our default and it's taking it's having to rewire your brain essentially.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So,
0: and it does take a lot of work and it's something, and I can, you know, I can say that personally, because it's something that I've been working on the last few years and I'm talking it's years, right. And it's still yeah. something that I continue to work on. It's yeah. a lot of effort to rewire and undo all the, the old beliefs
1: and thinking and patterns takes a lot exactly and we have negative thoughts in different areas right so at work we might have like some type of negative thoughts right and then at home we might have some other type of negative thoughts and so and also they might change as we transition in life right so you know i'm i'm i have a two-year-old so being a mom is kind of new to me but there's been those negative thoughts right like I have to have things perfect. You know, I have to be this perfect mom. And so if I don't do this certain thing, right. Then therefore I'm, you know, not the best mom. And so, but these are new thoughts. Obviously I've never had these before. Right. So they're, they're, they're new to me. Right. And then now I'm being aware that these are the negative thoughts that I'm having in a new role, right. That I'm having. And how do I go about them to be aware of them and, you know, um, how do I go about them to not let them affect me? Right. And do the positive one. Right. I am a great mom. I do do all these things for my son. Right. And so um, I think it's, you know, we, it, I, I like to teach like a lot of compassion to ourselves, which is sometimes hard, <laughs> myself included. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, we need to be practicing that self-compassion and it's so hard. I often find that we're so not, we're, we're, often so nice to others, right? We would be super nice to someone if they would tell us what we're going through. But when we're going through it, we don't tell ourselves that. You know, we say like, suck it up, keep going. You're not strong, you're weak. You could have done better. And so where's that self-compassion, right? You know, that grace.
0: Oh my gosh, what you said was so powerful about the idea that there are different negative thoughts in different areas of your life. New beginnings, new chapters in your life, new roles, you are going to come across challenges and obstacles. I mean, it's inevitable. And you're going to come up like these, your inner critic is going to kind of creep up. And I was actually reflecting on this. I think this conversation was just meant to be because I was reflecting on it this morning as well. Like, I have learned so much, I've done so much inner work. But just because I've done the work, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to come across challenges and obstacles. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel bad. What it means is that when I get to that situation, I'm able to get out of my toolbox to help me through it,
1: and, which is what you essentially said. So I thought that was so powerful yeah because um you know it's not you know it's it's counseling right when you come to counseling it's not this one time thing like life is going to continue right things are going to happen but you want to have those tools to use them but you know these things are going to are going to come up right we're only human and we're evolving we're changing every day we have new roles we have new obstacles so therefore we're going to be you know we're not the same person. I always tell my patients, you're not the same person you were, you know, five years ago. But you're also not the same person you were yesterday, right? We're always changing, and so I think it's accepting the fact that we're changing and what comes with that change, but also, you know, giving ourselves that like a break, right, and being nice to ourselves and saying like, okay, it's, it, you know, it's gonna come, but it's also gonna go, right, and then, and then it's gonna come again, something else, and it's also gonna go.
0: How does that tie with having maybe unrealistic expectations with ourselves and maybe of others in our relationships or in our families or at work?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I often, I oftentimes find that, um, and I include myself, right. That we said sometimes like, you know, I want to say like false expectations, right. So, um, And I tell my patients, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that you can't have expectations. I want you to have expectations, right? I want you to have great and beautiful expectations and set goals. But it's important that we also assess whether our goals and our expectations are ones that we can meet, right? And so, you know, I, you know, an example would be like, um, and I'm going to give kind of like a personal example, right? But, you know if my house stays clean, right. And I, like I was saying earlier and I do this for my son, then I'm a, then I'm a good, therefore I'm a good wife and I'm a good mom. Right. Now what happens if it's not clean? Right. (laughs) That's my expectation. Right. What happens if it's not clean? Does it mean that I'm not right. Mm -hmm. And it, the thing is that we start creating these things in our brain. Like they're just so there. they're, they're not conscious. I mean, it's not like we're doing this consciously. It's super unconscious that our mind is doing this. Right. And so we, you know, it kind of goes back again to like our, what is the real expectation? Right. The expectation is that I'm a present person, right. That I'm present to my, to my son and that I am, you know, um, showing him love and you know caring for him and meeting his needs so but you know does that expectation that I've said for myself is it is it real does it make sense right and so yeah it doesn't really when you start thinking about it right it, it doesn't really make sense in my you know in my house I mean obviously not crazy dirty right but if my house is not clean one day it, it has nothing to do of my role as a person, right? Or who I am. And so I feel like this is, you know, I've I've found this is a a very common thought between like moms, <laughs> you know, and the struggle of trying to juggle everything. Um, but I hear it a lot with a lot of different areas, right? The expectations that we're setting is not, you know, if I don't if I'm not in a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, right, for more than six months then I'm not, you know, something's Something's (laughs) wrong with me because I can't even keep six months and I should, the expectation is that I at least can have a relationship for six months to a year, you know, hold, hold on to it. And so, you know, then those expectations are not, well, you know, you can meet someone, you know, and not be a good match or just not be someone that you're interested in. And that has nothing to do with it, right? But we've set these expectations that maybe are not real. So I always invite, you know, my patients to reflect on their expectations in different areas of their life and really, really reflect on them and say, are they realistic? Is it a realistic expectation, right? Do, do, does it does it really go?
0: I think that's so important, especially with the podcast I've been in, and I think that we wear multiple hats, especially the nursing community, female nurses, we give so much, we care for others at work. And then when we come back home, and I think that maybe reevaluating our expectations can can kind of bring in a little more ease, I guess, into our lives, would you say?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, the word compassion keeps coming, coming back because especially the nursing, you know, um, community, you you know, and I work with nurses, so, you know, I have, they have a special place in my heart, but you know, they're so compassionate, but then they lack a lot of like the (laughs) self-compassion, right. But I think they're just so used to like giving it right. And it's this, um, idea of like learning how to accept. Sometimes we have trouble like, like receiving, right. Or, We're good at giving, but sometimes for some reason, we have a hard trouble at like, I can get this. I can get love. I can get, you know, comfort and, and calmness.
0: So with you, I know that you mentioned that you work in the NICU with parents, Mm -hmm. but you're also in close proximity with nurses, right? Like you said, what are in your experience and just from you maybe chatting with them or being around them? From the perspective of a licensed therapist, what are some of the challenges they face, and what tips or maybe advice would you have for them? Maybe in regards to
1: self care or setting boundaries. Yeah. So what I see is the lack of self care, <laughs> like what I was mentioning. For great, I taking care of others, but I feel like they've lost the taking care of self, right? Obviously, you know, schedules are crazy for um for the medical field. And so they carry very like crazy schedules, right? Which affects like sleep and eating. And that also contributes a lot to self-care, right? I mean, our sleeping and eating cycles are one of the most important things, right? And so um, that already goes kind of crazy for them, right? Which is like the basic, right? And then it's all this caring and self-care part, right? I think like, setting that time aside and, um, really focusing on their other, the other roles that they carry outside of the hospital. Right. Um, I think, um, you know, this field caring for others, um, especially the medical field is one that is, you have to be very passionate. And I find that the professionals there are very passionate. They put their heart out, but then also setting boundaries is important. Right. You know, we want to do our work with a lot of um, compassion and passion, but also make sure that we're healthy, right? So that we can go home and also like continue our, our life, right? And what we have at home. Um, and I find that sometimes it's hard for for the medical area field to um, set boundaries, right? And like the saying no and and kind of finding their balance, it's sometimes hard for them to do that.
0: What would you say is a maybe like one step that they can take in order to set a boundary, especially something that I keep hearing from nurses and something that I've experienced myself is I always felt guilty saying no to that overtime. Mm-hmm. You can help us yeah. out, please. We're short staffed. Like, please, we would really appreciate your help. And you're like, I just worked the last 4 days like I'm so exhausted but then I feel bad cuz like one of my best coworkers is going to be working and I feel bad saying no you know so what's like what would you say to that as far as like how can they how can they set that boundary and say no
1: yeah well it's i mean it sounds very easy right but <laughs> like really setting it right but i mean it's it's i think i think the idea here is like what are those thoughts that you get that create the guilt, right? What are those thoughts that you're dealing with and fighting? Because that's what you're fighting. You're fighting the negative thoughts that don't allow you to say yes. The, I mean, to say no, right? Yes. And so what are those thoughts, right? So, I mean, a real quick thing that I'm thinking is like writing down those thoughts and saying, are they, are they r- like real, right? Um, you know, I'm such a bad person for saying no, right? I'm such a bad professional for saying no. And n- none of those are, are real, right? I mean, um, you, we need to, you know, uh, there's this um, activity that is, you know, super quick and awesome that I feel like puts a lot of things into perspective and might help a lot of our, our nurses. Um, do a little pie chart, okay? You write down all of the roles that you have in your life, right? So nurse, mom, wife, you know, a daughter, write them all out. And then put them into percentage, which, you know, in time and energy and just in general, divide them. You are, you will, you know, everyone's surprised at how our pie chart is, because usually the way we have our pie chart, when they do it, is not the way that we envisioned it. It's not the way we want it, right? And so that's a good visual for us to really see, you know, well, what areas are areas that I want to give more time to? And I'm noticing, you know, now I can tell that I'm not, right? I mean, 50% of my time is going into this, but I wish my pie chart really looked more balanced, a little different. And so um, I think it's one, being aware of um, what are those thoughts that you're fighting and those feelings that are coming up? You know, is it guilt? Is it frustration? You know, what what is it? That is so good. That pie chart. Yes. I love yeah. that. And I, you know, I, I've, I've never had anyone do a pie chart and they're, they're like, okay with it. <laughs> Everyone wants to do something different to it. So, but sometimes, you know, the visual, I've, I've, it's very, very uh, powerful. Like sometimes seeing it, it's like, wow, I, I didn't think it was like this. I have never, that's not what I want. So what do you want to do for your chart to look different, right?
0: Yes. And especially when it comes to, and I'm huge on protecting your time, protecting your energy, because time, you're never going to get it back. And this doesn't just apply to nurses. I mean, this is for every woman out there, right? I love empowering women and always supportive of them. And so I'm like, Take back control of your time. You never get it back and your energy as well. And to be able, like you said, with the pie chart, look at where else do I need to maybe put my time and energy into that's really going to bring me more happiness into my life or joy or connection or health, whatever that is for them. So I think that's such an amazing idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think just with the, you know, just with the mindfulness, I think also just keeping ourselves present which is often mm. super hard <laughs> right or our mind you know there's research that shows that our mind is either 50, 50% of the day over 24 hours it's in the either in the future or in the past so really half of the day we're present but the other half we're not present we're like in robot mode right and that's a big percentage, like half day? day, we're not even like aware of what's going on, right? We're just going so fast. And so, um, you know, being present, being grounded, um, and actively trying to stay present, you know, I'm eating, am I even paying attention to what I'm eating and the textures and the flavors, you know, am I, you know, when I go outside, am I looking at the colors, right? Can I tell the different shades of green in my tree, right? And so, using our senses is a way for us to ground and be present right and so that's an easy kind of way to um, to kind of bring ourselves to to present
0: i think we're pulled in so many directions every day as well with our phones notifications the bings everything and i think that being mindful and maybe even like i know it's something that i think i've kind of gotten a lot better with and for some people Maybe this is something new, but I highly recommend even setting like a little alarm, right? And saying like reminder, be mindful. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, you know,
1: the Apple Watches now have the mindful, they have like a mindful section too. So those are nice.
0: Right. That's right. And I think that it's been such a game changer for me as far as when you bring bring yourself back into the present moment and being just mindful of what you're doing and kind of taking notice of things that you maybe would have never noticed before, like you said, right? Like the trees or the, the, I don't know, the color of the sky, the different colors or whatever it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a, you know, it sounds super easy to do right. Obviously using our senses, but it's just the awareness the the you know, the the being here the it takes work. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not, it doesn't happen just like that, right? Like, oh, I'm going to be looking at the sky every time now. It doesn't happen. Like you have to put that work. But, you know, once you start practicing that uh, mindfulness and awareness, it really starts like sticking, you know, it, it, it does start becoming like, especially if you make it like a routine or something like that.
0: Yes. I mean, guys, you can start off in the morning as well with journaling. I know that's something I love doing in the evening time and maybe, you know, you're super busy, you're working a whole shift, taking your lunch break. And instead of scrolling through phone, right, maybe just being really mindful with with your meal. So I think that is such a great way of really harnessing the power of the present moment to bring a little more peace, a little more joy and happiness into everyone's life. So um, Andrea, thank you so much again. This has been such an amazing conversation. I think that oh, actually, by the way, I do want to say, I think it's incredible what you're doing, having your private practice here in yeah. San Antonio. We're both from Laredo, which I think is so amazing. I'm like, That's <laughs> awesome. love, love, love seeing other women, especially from my own hometown doing such amazing things. And really following their passion. So just want to say thank you so much for coming on. And I'm so excited for everything that you're, you know, that you're doing with your practice. Now, you only take clients in person or do you do virtual as well?
1: So we're now doing virtual as well. I have another counselor. And so, um, you know, she's doing virtual, I'm doing in person, Uh, we're located in the Stone Oak area. And so, um, yeah, we're taking new patients. So Yeah.
0: And so how can they find you if people are not from San Antonio? How can they find you to book a virtual?
1: Yeah. So uh, they can find us in social media. So grounded space, they can just search us up, um, add us and messages, but uh, really we go everything through email. So grounded space LLC at gmail.com and um, they can just send an email and tell them they, you know, tell us they want to get started and we'll set everything up for them. All right. Thank Thank you you so so much for having, for having me. Of course, thank
0: you. All right, friend, did you enjoy today's episode? If so, don't keep the goodness to yourself. Share it with another nurse, babe, who's ready to elevate her life by managing her time and finding work-life harmony. And if you can, while you're at it, please leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. It lights me up to know that this podcast is helping you. See you next Tuesday for another episode. Until next time, friend.